Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. So we're back in the book of James. Uh, We started a series before Christmas entitled Wisdom for Life, where James, Jesus' little brother, gives us good, practical, down-to-earth wisdom for living. And we read in James chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes to into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I can remember a a number of years ago, I went to an induction service of another minister in town. I arrived at the church in what I thought was good time, only to discover that the church was already packed full of people. The only seats available were the cheap seats. You know, the seats right at the back where the only thing you can see is the back of the head of the person in front of you or a pillar. And so as I was making my way to my cheap seat, I suddenly heard an usher say, You're Michael Orsman, the Baptist minister. I felt really chuffed to have been recognized. Yes, yes I am. And before I knew it, I'd been ushered up to the front and I was sitting there in front with perfect vision and view. And I I was really enjoying it and and feeling very important. Until I suddenly remembered the words of James chapter 2. Do not show favoritism. And for the rest of the service, I felt rather awkward and embarrassed. And uh, we never believe that we ever show favoritism. We always believe that we treat everyone equally. Everyone has equal human rights. But in reality, we live in a world that is constantly assessing people, sizing them up, and establishing a pecking order. We do it all the time. We, we judge people all the time based on their outward appearance, their looks, how they dress, their, their status, their social class, their education, their profession, their gender, their age. And this was even happening within the early church that James was writing to. They were favoring the rich, the well-dressed, the the impressive-looking people. And they were discriminating against the poor, the not-so-well-dressed, the unimpressive-looking person. But what is wrong with favoritism? I mean, let's be honest. I'm I'm middle-class. I'm well-educated, I'm sporty, I'm a professional, I'm, well, Victoria says I'm good-looking. <laughs> so, why shouldn't I want to hang out with and favor other young, good-looking, sporting professionals? We do it all the time. We network with people like us. We network with people who are going to help us get ahead in life. We do it all the time. Well, we don't call it favoritism, but it is. And what's wrong with it? This is, this is normal behavior. This is natural. This is how people have always functioned. Now, the odd thing is, we live in a world 
that is continually discriminating against people and showing favoritism, while at the same time believing favoritism is wrong. We believe in equal human rights, in in human rights for everyone. Where did the idea of human rights come from? It's actually a new idea relative to world history. In the past, no one thought everyone had equal rights. There was social order and distinction within society. You had different classes. Noble, peasant, slave. Different gender, male, female. Different age, old, young. Different nationalities, citizen, foreigner. Different ethnic groups, Roman, Greek, Jew, and so on. And all of these different groups had different rights, and they never mixed together. So where did the idea of human rights come from? Well, according to historians, historian like Professor Brian uh, Tierney and, and many others, claim that human rights for everyone came from Christian lawyers and judges in the Middle Ages, meditating and reflecting on the implications of what the Bible says, such as, don't show favoritism, love your neighbor, and everyone is created in the image of God. James's command in verse 1 to not show favoritism was hugely counterculture. It was even offensive within that day because this is how society functioned. There was distinction, there was order. Do you know what? One of the biggest problems non-Christians had with the early church. Some of the, the biggest problem that they had with Christianity, according to non-Christian historians of that time, historians such as the Roman historians Tacitus and, and Pliny the Younger, the biggest problem they had with Christianity was that Christians did not respect social distinction. They were communities made up of Greeks and Jews, slaves and free, men and women, young and old, rich and poor. What a crazy idea, thinking everyone is equal. So why did these early Christian communities act in such a countercultural way and form these, these communities where everyone was equal? Why? And the answer to that is the same answer as to why we should not show favoritism today. Why should we not show favoritism Well, four reasons. It's incompatible, it's dishonoring, it's blasphemy, it's not loving. Incompatible, dishonoring, blasphemy, not loving. Firstly, it's incompatible. James chapter 2 and verse 1. James says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. There's something incompatible with being a follower of Jesus and showing favoritism. Say, for example, uh, you want to go to a theater or to a big sports stadium. You know that the best seats right at the front are going to cost an arm and a leg. The seats in the middle are going to be expensive. 
The cheap seats are right at the back, behind a pillar, or so far back that you can't see anything. So you have to choose how much are you willing to pay for your seat. And if you're like me, you're going to go for somewhere in the middle, probably closer to the back, something affordable. When you get there, you will be ushered to your seat. You will sit down and you will see other people walking all the way to the front and having the best seats. Other people up in the box having even a better view. Does it bother you that they get in the best seats? Does it bother you? No. Because you know they paid an arm and a leg for that seat. Same scenario, except imagine you're at church. Imagine if we worked out exactly how much every person was giving to the church and then allocated seats accordingly. So if you gave a lot of money to the church, you get the best seats. If you're giving a reasonable amount, you're in the middle. If you're not giving a lot, I mean, you, 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 you'll be lucky if you can see or hear anything. I mean, you're right at the back. Does that bother you? Oh yes, oh yes, that bothers you and rightly so because there's something profoundly incompatible with being a follower of Jesus and showing favoritism. Jesus was poor, born into a poor family. Jesus identified with the poor, with the outcast, with the excluded, with... With the nobodies, the misfits, the socially excluded, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. The people that everyone else turned their noses up to, Jesus was drawn to. He he loved them and He stood up for them. And if we put our faith in Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus, how can we show favoritism? If we show favoritism... It seriously calls into question your faith. It calls into question if you really are a follower of Jesus. It's incompatible. Secondly, it's dishonoring. It's dishonoring to the poor. In verses 5 to 7 we read, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom He promised to those whom loved Him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of Him to whom you belong? This seems to suggest that God prefers the poor. That God favors the poor. Is God biased towards the poor? Well, yes and no. For one, James is merely stating a historical fact. That early church community that he is writing to was poor. And the rich were exploiting them. But secondly, he's also stating a general truth. If we were to look through church history, we would discover that the majority of Christians are poor. That's probably because in order to become a Christian, you need to admit that you're not sorted, you've got problems, you need help, and you need to ask God to help you, to forgive you, to come into your life and bring inner healing and direction. And poor people are generally more predisposed to saying, I'm not sorted. 
I have got problems. I need help. God, please help. Whereas middle class people tend to say, I don't want your handout. I don't need help. I can do this by myself. So it's a, a historical truth. It's also a general truth. But more so, God is biased to the poor in contrast to our bias to the rich. You see, God doesn't have favorites. God is equally concerned and equally loves everyone. God loves the poor as much as He loves the rich. But in contrast to our selfish and self-centered lack of concern for the poor, it seems as though God has an overwhelming bias towards the poor. In contrast to our perverse preference for the sorted, the successful, the good-looking, it seems as though God has an overwhelming bias for the poor. God doesn't have favorites. He loves everyone the same. But when it comes to the issue of justice, social justice, God is never neutral. God is always on the side of the poor and those who have been exploited by the rich and the powerful. And this is the character of God and this is the character of Jesus. And if we are followers of Jesus, then we need to have the same character and attitude as Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we are drawn to and attracted to the very people we used to turn our noses up to. The very person that everyone else is avoiding, gossiping about behind their back, making jokes about, ignoring. You suddenly find yourself being drawn to them, attracted to them, liking them and befriending them. That's the Spirit of God working in your heart. Everyone else is drawn to the sorted, successful, easy to get on with people. You suddenly find yourself being drawn to that awkward, difficult person. Thirdly, favoritism is blasphemy. James says in verse 7, Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of Him to whom you belong? When you show favoritism, when you discriminate against someone, you are blaspheming the noble name of God. You are insulting God. Why? Because we all are created in the image of God. God has given infinite worth to every single person. And when you mistreat or discriminate or avoid someone, you are insulting God. Jesus identifies with the poor, with the marginalized, with the socially excluded, with those people you find difficult to get on with. And when you mistreat them, you are mistreating Jesus. When you dishonor them by avoiding them, ignoring them, gossiping about them, making jokes about them, you are dishonoring Jesus. You are insulting Jesus. When we suddenly find that we're faced with someone that we would rather ignore, avoid, turn our noses up to. We need to ask ourselves, how would we treat them if that person was Jesus? If that person was Jesus, how would we treat them? What would we do? And then we need to treat them just as we would have treated Jesus. Fourthly, 
Favoritism is not loving. James says in verses 8 and 9, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. The Old Testament, the Jewish religious law, had a command that said, love your neighbor as yourself. But within that context, your neighbor was your fellow Jew. Someone from your same social class. What Jesus did, which was so radical, was to take this command and apply it to everyone. He defined neighbor as anyone and everyone and did not limit it to your fellow Jew or someone from your same social class. And the reason why James refers to this as the royal law is because Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the true king and this is the king's law. This is Jesus' law. This is the very essence and the heart of being a Jesus follower. It's not an add-on extra if you like. No, this is the very essence and heart of being a follower of Jesus. This is what it's all about. And James continues in verse 10, he says, For whoever keeps the whole law, it stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you should not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. James's point of view is actually quite simple. Favoritism is not a minor transgression. We so quickly think, of, oh, favoritism, is, oh, that's just a, a, a small matter. It's not like I murdered anyone. I just know who and what I like. James is saying you can't use that as an excuse. You can't use it. You can't say it's just a tiny matter. You can't say, look at all the other good things I've done because not showing favoritism and loving your neighbor is the essence and the heart of the whole law and the essence and the heart of being a Jesus follower. If you discriminate against anyone based on their appearance, the way they dress, their social class, their education, their gender, their age, you have violated the royal law of love. We need to treat everyone the way we would like to be treated. couple of questions for us to reflect on. Who are the people with golden rings and fine clothes for you? In other words, who are the people you would naturally favor, that you find easy to get on with? Secondly, who are the poor in filthy old clothes for you? In other words, who are the people you struggle with, who you turn your nose up at, who you don't find easy to get on with? And thirdly, how can you show the love of Jesus to your poor in filthy old clothes? How can you practically treat them as if they were Jesus? What can you practically do for them? Let's think about that for a moment, especially question two and three. Let's pray as as we think about it. Heavenly Father, we confess that we do show favoritism. 
We try to deny it, pretend that we don't. But Father, we confess that we do. Father, please forgive us. Please cleanse us by your Holy Spirit. But more than that, Father, won't you empower us by your Spirit to treat them as if that person was Jesus himself. To treat all with honor and respect and love. Father, we confess we struggle with this. It doesn't come naturally to us. Won't you empower us and enable us to do the unnatural thing, to do the loving thing, to do the right thing? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.